0: Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy.
1: I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in
0: this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a
1: Z. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. In the studio with me today is David Moore. And on the phone, we've got Evan Grant from Seattle. Evan, what's going on?
0: Uh, It's good to be a frequent guest of the show.
1: You know it is. You know, it, you know I I wouldn't say I wouldn't say frequent. I would say an, an infrequent guest of the show uh because you were not on our our Cowboys podcast. Uh I don't believe it just me and David.
2: Yeah, I don't believe you were part of that, Evan.
1: No. And you know it it went really well too, I have to say.
0: I'm sure did. That-
1: <laughs> oh, rather short. Yeah, he's a little short Well you know, Evan's got his dauber down, you know, those uh those Rangers they just can't uh they can't win for losing, can they, Evan?
0: I never quite understood that sentiment, Kevin. That, that... Like if you lose you don't win. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
2: I thought you were talking about your dauber.
1: Your dauber, yeah. That's uh... uh
0: well the dauber is definitely down. I um I checked it this morning and yeah, it was pointing down.
1: Oh, that's awful. So, as you covered in the uh, uh, in your fine uh, report today from the Rangers' loss, uh, Ruggie Odor, he can't win for losing. I know that. Uh, you know, on a day when he actually is bunting like I asked him to do and getting on base and he's stealing bases and scoring on pass balls and it's all good – he also gets himself picked off second base and uh, makes a, 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 a bobbles a ball, a double play ball that would have gotten them out of the inning, gotten Doug Fister out of the inning with no runs, uh, and perhaps they win that game one to nothing. Uh, instead, uh, that the, they go the Mariners go on to to uh, score two runs that inning and win two to one. Uh, a day after, he had also bobbled another double play ball. Yeah,
0: he yeah, he did bobble a double play ball on. Sunday as well, and I I, I think um, it just, you know, yesterday is just an illustration of, of how the season is going, how far he's got to go to really get back. He did do some things that the Rangers had been asking him to do. Um, he, you know, he that drag bunt to first base was, was a beautiful bunt. Um, he was aggressive on the base pass, but then he got too aggressive on the base pass, and you know, this is a team that in another couple of weeks is going to start facing some decisions about how they proceed. Adrian Beltray is is probably going to be back. Elvis Andrus is probably going to be back. And you've got two infielders playing on the left side of the infield right now, Anderson Profar and, and Isaiah Canapalepa, who if you look strictly from a, a merit standpoint right now, both of them are playing significantly better um, on the defensive side of the ball than, than Odor is and, and better on the offensive side as well. well
1: yeah, I, I don't know, uh, you know, looking at all this now and going forward, um, is Ruggie just playing the wrong position? I mean, we, we've just assumed, yeah, he's a second baseman and we, we say that Willie Calhoun can't play second base. He's got to play the outfield. Is, is there, in your mind, is it possible that Ruggie Odor is, uh, uh, if he stays in the league with his bat, it'll be as an outfielder.
0: I mean, nobody has ever brought up the idea that this guy is an outfielder, uh, to me. And, uh, that would take some serious, I, I think some serious, uh, adjustment. Um, he is so aggressive at going after balls that, you know, I think there would, it would take some time for him to read balls off the bat really well. Uh, I think right now the the idea is to first let the, the Rangers team want to focus on let's getting his approach at the plate somewhat corrected and uh, we'll, if we do that and we get him fixed, I think their feeling is okay we can we can put up with some of the ungrateful play at second base um but he's you know Kevin the thing that here's the thing this season is about the improvement of young guys right. uh Odor being at the top of that list and he's got he's got both so far that he's got to go from last year but also the easiest path to show any improvement whatsoever and to this point it's hard to point to anything
1: yeah i just i don't this is my issue with the Rangers as a whole. And what's frustrating about watching them, besides the fact that I don't see players on the horizon uh, who are ready to go, uh, no, no young prospects. I mean, we've we've seen uh, Connor Falefa, and and that's been a pleasant surprise to see him and see how he plays. Uh, but I, at this point, uh, they still look at him as a super utility player, and I don't and I don't think that that's necessarily wrong at this point, unless he really starts to hit. Uh, so I, I I think that. That's been, you know, a, a pleasant surprise and fun to see. But there's not been enough other things. It just says, as we said, the three guys that you were going to count on no matter what were Mazzara, Gallo, and Odor. And right now, mm-hmm. Mazzara's playing pretty well right now. He's, he's had his typically hot spring, and now he's starting to cool a little bit, like just like he did mm-hmm. last year. Uh, Gallo is now seeing off days uh, to keep him from left-handers as he kind of continues along the same path that, or the, some of the ruts he's had in the past as well. And O'Dor, it certainly hasn't gotten any better. Now it's been a short, it's been a small sample size, uh, but he's still making many of the same mistakes that he's always made. And uh, and and the, my problem with this team is they're just too many one-dimensional, one-way players. When are we going to see a guy who's got a great glove, got a good bat, just an all round player? And and for the Rangers, that just doesn't seem to happen.
0: Right. I I mean, it is. you look down the list, and and you're right, that that it's hard to find somebody who has stood out on both sides of the ball. Um, and, And really, if you're looking at somebody right now, um, and it's 145 at that sample size. It's kind of Falefa, and we're talking about a guy who's still, you know, I mean, he's 23, and he basically jumped from what amounted to A. He's, he's hitting 253 with a 700 OPS. I, I think there's still room for him to grow um, offensively, uh, a, a long way for him to, g- to grow offensively. Uh, he's been really impressive in the field. Uh, he's a very smooth fielder. Um, I, I think he can play multiple positions. Um, Pro Park has picked it up uh, at the plate somewhat, but you still look at, I still look at Pro Park here, and he's been playing every day since the second week of the season, and he's sitting 234 with a with a 307 on-base percentage. Um, yeah, it, that's got to be better to be an everyday player in the major leagues. This, this is just a team that overall is not they're they're basically an all or nothing club and if they don't hit home runs there uh, there's an incredibly difficult difficult time to, to scoring runs for this
1: thing yeah not only that but profar is not he's not been very good defensively at shortstop either you know in the time that he's played that i think his if you look at those uh, metrics defensive metrics uh he ranks near the bottom of the league at shortstop doesn't he uh he
0: was i think I think a lot of that was generated in the first couple of weeks of of the position when he was really struggling with footwork. I think it's gotten better uh over the last four weeks or so but yeah he he's there's still some inconsistency there i believe
1: yeah he doesn't doesn't throw the ball particularly well and uh uh he he's just he's struggled so that that's the issue for me with this team it's if you were really to see you know, about young guys and what they're going to do. You know, and and now if you look down in the minor leagues, Willie Calhoun got sat down the other day for not running on a ground ball uh, after he'd been warned about that previously. So, uh Here's a guy that was basically not brought up because, well, he hasn't really done anything down there either. Uh, he's not really tearing it up. Uh, and I think that, you know, maybe this uh, maybe this proves that uh, they were right to do that, although I would also say I'm sure he's frustrated thinking that, you know, if this is a, a season where you're supposed to be finding out about young guys, why am I not up there playing? So, right, right. I, you know uh, what is the what is going to be the next major? You know you you've talked about them bringing back uh, R- Elvis coming back and uh, and Adrian Beltray coming back. Um, what's going to be the big roster move at the trade deadline for the for the Rangers?
0: a big roster move at yeah. the trade deadline. What's going to happen? Well, I mean, I, are you are you saying aside from trades?
1: Uh well we if you want I'm going to widen the parameters for this thing so you can have an answer Evan I know it's difficult for you to come up with one so I'm, I'm I curious. mean
0: I, I, look I think come the trade deadline they're going to be looking to deal just about every 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 uh, veteran piece that they can deal and that's Hamill, that's Beltray that's uh, Jake Deakman um, I wouldn't be surprised if they would entertain even offers about Keone Kella. Um, because he has demonstrated some value this year as, as a closer um, or a late-inning guy. And certainly a team like Cleveland right now is, is really struggling in its bullpen and could use some, some more arms out there. Um, uh, the Astros' Ken Giles experience is not really going all that well either, I don't think. Um, but, I, I mean, I think it's all going to be – it's all going to be more addition by by subtraction, for lack of a better term, because they're going to make trades. Now, is there anybody major for them to bring up? Well, the, the guy that the, the most the most uh, heralded guy for them to take a look at before the end of the season is obviously Willie Calhoun, and he's going to be here soon enough. And, and I think that this deal on Sunday was as much about saying, "Hey, you're going to the big league soon." In the big leagues, this is unacceptable, and you need to understand that. You can be a better player than this. Now, whether they call Willie Calhoun up sometime here in the next couple of weeks or they wait until July, uh, that's still to be determined. But, Kevin, this team's already called up Guzman. It's called up Kyner It's playing Crowfar. Um, there's nobody else really for them to call up. There's nobody else other than Calhoun who's on the, on the cusp of the major league. And we're, you know, we haven't even dived in to the pitching staff, which is, you know, a real, a real issue.
1: All right. So uh, since you can't give us any kind of uh, definitive answer, Evan, uh, then I'm going to move on to another subject uh, of the uh, the Ranger draft. Uh, Jerry Fraley wrote about that the other day, and talked about the, the fact that uh, the Rangers. I, I think he looked up uh, based on WAR. That they came in. Did he say seventh? Is that what I'm the takeaway from over the over the period he was talking about? Uh, Uh,
0: They came in I believe um, eleventh in one time frame and seventh in another, and I'm not sure if it was uh, one was the time frame since Kip Fag took over the draft in 2010, and one was over the entirety of John Daniels' um, uh, tenure. I think under Daniels' tenure they were eleventh. And under Fag, they they were seventh. Yeah, I
1: think that's correct. Uh, and and uh, Jerry's point was that's obviously not bad. Uh, kind of a middle of the road a little bit. But what it lacked was uh, big time players. Uh, that of course. When you factor in this uh, equation, a lot of that was guys who are no longer with the club, such as Chris Davis, uh, such as Kyle Hendricks, uh, guys who have gone on and uh, to play for other organizations. So, um, uh, he, and he did not include the last two drafts, I believe it was, or at least the last draft, because obviously that's a that's pretty quick turnaround on that. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, what are the chances that the Rangers come out of this draft with a guy who changes that perception?
0: Drafting in the middle of the first round, it's always hard to uh, to expect that you're going to get the impact player in the draft. But um, I, I think that this draft is – and I think this draft is, is funky. I mean, Kip Bag in, in talking with him, has, has said that this is, this is a weird draft. The Rangers have 615, 55, and 91 in the first 100. Um, and I suspect that one of those first three picks is going to be a high school pitcher because the Rangers often do that, though they don't usually do it in, the, in the, for a first-rounder. Um, and, and because of that, I mean, I, I think you're looking at Several years down the road before you find out if you've got an impact player. Um, I think there's some guys that are going to be available in the middle in the middle area who are really intriguing and have who have some big time tools. But listen, with the exception of maybe Kevin Matthews, the 2011 pick, and maybe 2010 first round pick Jake Scoll, uh, the Rangers have drafted guys that had that had um, had tools, but. They haven't developed. And and if you look at, you know, you look at 2009 when the Rangers drafted Matt Kirk, who they didn't sign, um, and that negotiation was basically left to Nolan Ryan. Uh, 2010, when Jake School was their first round pick and, and he was, he did not develop. And then 2011, when they took Kevin Matthews and then took Zach Cohn in the first two rounds, those were not good drafts. For 2011, they at least have a they have an excuse, so to speak. Uh, they had spent eight million dollars that year, or were on the verge of spending eight million dollars on two international players named No More and Ronald Guzman, who have started now to make an impact with the big leagues. And they had also invested it um, <laughs> also invested fifteen million dollars in a Cuban outfielder named uh, I believe his name was Leonis Martin. Um, and that one was, again, a great athlete who didn't pan out in the big ones. So um, those three drafts, the lack of talent at the top of those three drafts, I think is what is really impacting this Rangers team going forward. Uh, they are paying the price for that. And does
2: that impact your draft philosophy this year?
0: I don't think so, David. I, I, you know the the major league draft is so different from from the NFL and the NBA. Sure, you're not looking you're investing a lot players. of years
2: before you get them. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You're not looking, to, and, and you're not looking to say, okay, we're short on second baseman in the organization, or we're about to lose X second baseman to free agency, so we got to draft the second baseman. You're looking to try and identify the guy who is whatever position. He's going to have the most impact of the guys that that, that are available. It's um it's an incredibly difficult art, uh, and um uh, you know the Rangers have had their shares of misses at the top. They've done really well in the middle, but yeah, Kevin, I think to your point, I think to Jerry's point, this club has got to start getting uh, some impact picks from the top from the top couple of rounds that make a difference. Um,
1: no, last year's
0: no, first round. Last year's first-round pick, Bubba Thompson, is off to a good start, and so is Cole uh, Hans Krauss, But those guys are, you know, they're at the lowest levels of the minor leagues.
1: And besides those uh, uh, drafts you mentioned, you also had the Dylan Tate draft, where he was the fourth pick of the draft, and they gave up on him in one year for a rental player. Uh, mm-hmm. And and that was and that was another situation with that. You know, one the the if the Rangers were identified with it anything, it's the fact that they love athletic guys, uh, toolsy athletic guys, um, and uh, who
0: doesn't? You know, who who doesn't?
1: Who does it? But but I think that the Rangers are, are probably closer to that uh, end of the spectrum than a lot of teams are. Uh, you know, they they are not. They they don't. You know, they, they love high school players. Uh, especially in the first round, uh, and they, they don't veer to, as much toward college players, I think, as a, as a lot of clubs do. And I'm just wondering, you, you, in the, in the, the point you made to David a minute ago is, right, you don't, uh, you don't react too much in the draft because most of these guys aren't going to make an immediate impact. You know, almost, all, almost none of them are going to make an immediate impact. Uh, but uh, with an organization as short on pitching as this one is, uh, if there were a college pitcher... Who slipped to them at fifteen, uh, and that they thought had some of that kind of upside? Wouldn't you lean that way?
0: I would, um, but I also think that you know one one thing the Rangers want to, or one thing this this scouting department kind of prides itself on is it, not settling, not taking the quote unquote safe pick, and and let's let's remember, I mean Dylan Tate was a, was a college was a college pitcher.
1: So, right.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, if they feel like if they feel like the guys that I've seen them connected to in the 15 to 20 range are uh, there are a lot of high school pitchers there. David Weathers, son, the former major leaguer David Weathers, son, Ryan Weathers, the high school left handers, um, uh, Kumar Rocker, the son of, of former Auburn defensive lineman and now um, University of Tennessee coach Tracy Rocker. Uh, is sitting in that group so is Ethan Hankins who had been rumored at the start of the season to be the number one overall pick Um, but he's had a little bit of a rough time this senior season they're all high school pitchers and I you know I start looking at that talent list and there are going to be some college guys available there but I think that that they're going to be there because the upside on those guys is going to be viewed as as lesser than what may be available with the high school
2: group. Yeah, Evan, do you think too in the draft that that how would you characterize where this minor league system is now? Again, they, they've gotten some good players. We've talked about the misses, but they've also had some some good players come up through. But is it is it so shallow across the board now that you can't really say, well, you know what, let's throw a couple of extra picks at pitcher, or let's throw a couple extra picks at. Uh, a, a certain position because it, it's really pretty shallow across the board, and you just have to repopulate it. Uh,
0: for me, you know, the easy answer for me, David, is this organization's had such a hard time developing pitching, and if I'm going to err on anything, pitching is uh, <laughs> pitching is the currency of baseball. And if you if you can find and develop pitching, you can usually fill most of your other holes. So. I'd always, uh, uh, I'd always err on the side of pitching. Um, that would be that would be my route. I just don't know that I, I you know again it's just not going to show you any dividends for at least sure. three years.
1: Well, plus you can go back and, and and as soon as you say that, and that's the problem with the draft, just the the draft we were just talking about when they took. Uh, Dylan Tate with the fourth pick. The Red Sox took Andrew Benintendi with the seventh pick. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's why And I remember I made the argument when uh, Mark Teixeira was coming out and he had Scott Boris as an agent and everybody was saying, oh, and the Rangers had, I think, the fifth pick. And, uh, oh, you don't want to take Mark Teixeira. He's the, he's the best player in this draft, but he's going to be unsignable. You know, it'll just be a mess. And, uh, the, and I made the argument that if this guy is the best player in the draft and you're going to get him with the fifth pick? Then there's no, this is a no-brainer. no brainer. They didn't no. pitch in then like they need pitching now. Uh, but if you can get a. Oh, right. let, me, let,
0: me, let me interrupt to ask you a quick question. Golly, Kevin, go ahead.
1: You're screaming at us. Um, go ahead.
0: How, how is it possible that you, um, uh, you cannot remember, like, where you parked your car in the morning, but you can remember a Mark Peshera column from 17 years ago?
1: Because I have an uncanny memory for things that were really important. And that's, and that's basically all my columns. Really important. David, your thoughts?
2: <laughs> One feeds his ego and reinforces how good he is at what he does, and the other does not. So I think but that, when, when I you think get that to an advanced age and you have to push some things out of your mind, I think it's normal he would push out that, oh. where did I park my car? But, boy, I really like that column I wrote. 17 <laughs> years, two months ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I want to say this. So I think I was right about Mark DeSera, too. What I'm right, as I've I said many times, I am so infrequently right that when I am, I like to bring it up. Okay. So I will not, but the, but the point is, is that they, they've always needed pitching. And, and yes, you're right. What you have to look at the draft uh, in the baseball draft is as, is as a whole that you've got, you know, 20 something picks, you're going to take mostly pitchers. You know sure. whether whether you take that guy in the first round or not. You, you know it's, it's the same thing. Now that is the same thing as I, I believe the NFL draft, the NBA draft. You take the best player. You know uh, when it, when it comes to you, this guy really is the best player. You can't go to your fans later and say, well, you could have had blank, and yeah. instead you took this guy. Well, we needed a forward. You know that that doesn't fly. And it's the same thing in the baseball draft. You you do take the best player who falls to you at that point. It's you, just that in baseball holy cow, you know, it's it's such a crapshoot sure. on who that guy's going to be. But you do,
2: but when you're also trying to change a culture and be better at something that has been a deficiency in your organization yeah. and that would be more cost-effective for you if you can ever correct it because sure. you don't have to spend that money on the free agent market on the pitchers, do you take more pitchers than you would otherwise and just go well the more you take the better you're going to have a chance to hit or develop on one of these guys and there's always uh, look that they have to assess their dra- how they've done in the draft as well that that's if that's not a discussion point for them i would say that they're not really assessing where they are as an organization and that's a conversation you need to have now you can come down on the fact that no uh, we just haven't hit but we've made you know we're comfortable with the decisions we've made if we stay this course we're going to get there but uh, you have to have that discussion in my mind
1: I, I think it's right I think they do need to have that discussion I'm sure that they well, they do look at these things and uh, and try to decide what they do and they also have to decide how much of this do we blame uh, you know our development you know are, are we uh, you know some of these guys that they have traded away obviously have, have done very well I will say this not a lot. For all the guys that they've mm-hmm. traded, well, we've, we've talked a lot about that, how many guys they traded to, for these, to get in these pennant races or to stay in these pennant races uh, the last few years. How many of those guys have really gone on to have terrific careers? Now, it's still early, and they can all still produce, but... So, so far, uh, some of the guys that the best guy, they, they, you know, Kyle Hendricks was, has worked out extremely well for the Cubs. That was in a kind of a fairly minor deal. Uh, and he is, uh, and certainly he'd be welcome on this staff, but I think you can make the case that maybe Bull Herrera is, uh, probably is, as, as good as any player they've lost over the last five or six years. And he was a rule five pick. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, there, there need to be some, uh, uh, as you said, a lot of self-analysis of all this. They have been better in those free agent signings, international free agent signings, than they have been in the draft. They've, they've come closer to hitting on those than they have on the draft. And I think that that, you know, and now it's tougher to do that. They've
0: come closer to hitting over Evan, are you still there? I'm right here. Okay, can you, you hear me?
1: Yeah, I can hear you now. you were just screaming at us. You're distorted. Okay. Yeah,
0: which yes. which you, oh,
1: you often are.
0: I'm sorry. They, they, they've done better on the, um, as you said, on the international draft, uh, free agents than they have on the uh, amateur draft, guys. But, um, I think for for a period of time, I I think in my my feeling is that 2009, 2010, 2011. Um, as they were getting used, as they were somewhat limited in resources at that point in time due to the bankruptcy and and Tom Hicks's um, Tom Hicks's troubles, I think they spent some time trying, having to kind of decide where they were going to put their money, and they decided to put it more into the into the um, international side, um, and and because of that, they they weren't able to get anything out of. Uh, the top levels of the draft. Side. Now, I, you know, I think Jerry makes a great point in his story that if you look back through the middle rounds, they've done a really good job in the middle rounds where where they have where they have lacked is to identify and get the impact player from the first couple of rounds. And I think if there's if there is somewhere where they might need to make an adjustment, it's that you know, you don't say, oh well, we're just, we like this guy as a baseball player. Um, and we're going to take him over this guy who's got who's got really good tools. But I do think if it's close, you might need to shoot a little bit more for safety than you do for hoping you sign you draft the next Mike Trout.
1: Yeah, this organization has a long history of that. Uh, the uh, taking Donald Harris over Frank Thomas uh, that that type of thing, uh, and uh, and and how that pans out in the you know. Uh, I would say, for the most part, it hasn't worked out very well for them. Um, there are not a lot of those guys that were the great toolsy players who who have become great two way players for the Rangers. So we'll, we'll see. Look, I,
0: I, did, I did my, I updated my my all time top ten Ranger draft picks, um, earlier this year, and you know their first their best overall draft pick was. The guy that you suggest, in my mind, that was the guy that you suggested that they um, that they take uh, much, you know, against the grain in two thousand one. Uh, Mark Cashera. Uh I think the second best guy was 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 Ian Kin- was uh, Kenny Rogers, who was a 39th round pick, and then the third was Ian Kinsley, who was a 17th round pick. Yeah, and, and my point is, you know, there's not been. There has not been a history here of this club really hitting on first-round picks. I mean, guys who have given this club serviceable careers as first-round picks are Bobby Witt, Kelling, Kashera, Kevin Brown, but most of those guys were 25 years ago or further. Right. Um, and yeah. it's it, it, it's something the Rangers have got to uh, have got to do better on. They've got to get everyday players from the top. From the top levels of the draft, they don't have to be everyday all stars, but they've got to get some more everyday contributors from the top levels of the draft.
1: That's true, Evan. And you're getting the last word because Robert Wolanski has come in and he is kicking us out of the studio. Uh, which you know, whatever Robert wants, Robert gets at the Dallas Morning News, uh, and he's now he's 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 babbling yeah, something. Five channel five that's what he said okay all right he's making that right. it
0: all for the good of channel five all that's for right.
1: the good of channel five yeah so anyway Evan, well thanks for being on with us there there'll be a little uh gift in the mail for you for appearing with us once again you're, you're you're an
2: outstanding guest
1: yes you're right up there i think you might be one of our lead guests you may have made more appearances on this than any other guest on this podcast so uh, we really appreciate I'm, that
0: i'm really happy to be here as a guest for you and and um uh, go and enjoy some nice um, camaraderie and fellowship.
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll do that. Thank you, Evan. So we had our Cowboys podcast, and we've had a Rangers podcast, and uh, that'll be uh, next week when we're going to have more uh, and varied uh, assortment of things. But We'll see. So for everybody in here, to everybody out there, thanks. We'll see you. Bye.